if people can start ensuring that at least they don't pollute the drains both open drains and also the closed stormwater drains if they stop polluting it of course their risk of flood can be reduced substantially hello and welcome to the season 2 of understanding the future I am your host Punit Gandhi and Climate Center for Cities is excited to bring to you a podcast about the future of work in the field of climate change, urban development, sustainability and innovation. We will talk to experts working on ground as well as in the top management of government and non-governmental organizations to better understand how the field looks like in future. This will help us in preparing to enable climate actions as well as gauge the type of skill sets and jobs that would be required in future to solve complex challenges. If you are listening to it for the first time, do tune into season 1. Welcome to season 2 of Understanding the Future. we had a super interesting conversation with gautam and mahesh in the last episode so odisha for example is another state which has taken a step in this direction they started out with a scheme called garima which is all about the dignity of sanitation workers so they are giving them insurance giving scholarships to the students to the children they are also focused on ensuring that sanitation workers have appropriate safety equipment they are ensuring that the process of ensuring that these people get it works for them i think if you actually look online one of the major areas where a lot of fraud happens is while ppes are bought ppes are not bought keeping in mind that to sanitation worker it's just treated as a procurement challenge right but and so the sanitation worker is told i don't care if this ppe doesn't fit you you take it Now imagine if somebody told you that about I don't care if this clothes these clothes actually fit you you wear them that's not how we behave as consumers why do we treat our sanitation workers as hostages of the system and if we have to keep them from being hostages of the system to being partners in waste management we have to recognize their right to a dignified life and ensure that if we get them PP it fits if we get them PP it works and so Odisha is a front runner in this to the Garima scheme. I believe other states will start looking at that and start picking it up, and I really sincerely hope that we take a sankalpam as a country that the entire country will be sustainably waste managed within 15 years. I have absolute faith in the creativity and the ingenuity and in the ability of Indians to convert waste to value in a dignified way for all. I hope you enjoyed the second part of the episode. How can technology enable in all these aspects? You know, right from waste collection to ensuring safety to workers, and also waste management, treatment, and processing. Um, because over the last at least ten to fifteen years, there has been quite a bit of an advancement, and India being a leader, at least in the software side of it. what well, what is required both in terms of the software and also the hardware to help uh, indian cities move in this uh, direction absolutely so i think the starting point of this is to first of all look at technology as part of the overall 
set of solutions, not the only solution. So you might have GPS devices fitted on paper trucks. You might have smart cards fitted into the, what do you call it, ID cards of the waste workers. You might have readers in front of each house to measure how much waste is being collected, RFID. There are multiple such options. And that's in terms of physical hardware. And there's obviously more and more physical hardware that's constantly being innovated on in India. So how do we ensure the tagging and generation of data at source for each packet of waste happens? That's one step. The second step that generally tends to be where a lot of these breakdowns happen is coordinating data flows across the entire ecosystem, right? And ensuring that people get paid on time, ensuring that materials that they need are recorded in the system. And so whenever somebody needs to reorder PPEs, that is reordered for that particular individual, not some random generic PPE order. And as we kind of go through this whole process, can we then ensure that the data that we are using is about our citizens and our workers and municipalities and in companies that support municipalities, including waste management and water management contractors. And we are ensuring that people have those resources available to them that they need to do their job and that this resource is actually procured in a way that reduces the overall cost of procurement and it is distributed in a way that minimizes corruption and it actually works for the end users. Because at the end of the day, all technology can tell you is what needs to go from point A to point B or whether something is going from point A to point B. At the end of the day, we live in cities which are about human beings. And if humans are not able to be served by the technology, the technology is useless. But if you can architect the technology to reinforce the behavioral changes, to support the policy directives, if you can architect it in a way that protects the dignity, privacy, and safety of human beings, then technology can be an actual rent for this thing. But done wrong, it will be a retardant. I, I do agree that, yeah, technology and uh, the way you mentioned different things that can be brought into place. But this also requires a lot of uh, system changes and how can that be brought in? Because it's not easy for government to adapt to all these technology as well, while majority of the things that we are mentioning right now are managed by the government. So how can that system be developed so that you know, even the technology implementation can come into picture. Part of what we've been working on in the Ministry of Housing and Urban Affairs in terms of thinking through of the National Urban Innovation Strategy and Approach, the digital blueprints for technology solutions for urban India, all of this comes down to essentially, can we do this in a way that is contextually customizable to each specific location? Because the context of Pondicherry varies from the context of Goa, varies from the context of Manali varies in the context of Shimla. And each of these are cities situated in climatic zones that get impacted by poor sanitation and by extreme tourism. So if we are able to ensure that each city is able to adapt the technology to meet its climatic requirements and to manage its environment more sustainably, and that is designed into the system by default, that's step one. The second element of this is what you rightly said about capacities of cities. And this is where we really believe that it is not 
the job of the government of india to deliver a better something it is the job of every citizen of india regardless of whether you are living as a garment worker whether you are an academic whether you are a civil society worker or whether you are a professional working at pwc all of us have a responsibility to the country to bring the best of our knowledge to ensure that we make these changes happen one by one in every single piece of our work along the way and that's where we will find over a period of time that when we have these technologies customizable by local people to their local environment supported by civil society supported by local businesses that is actually a far greater accelerant than trying to say here's this one size fits all approach that we will now enforce top down from government of india and this is why i am mighty 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 proud to be associated with the kind of innovations that the ministry of housing and urban affairs is pushing and then i us companies to seek you than shrinity i also think that should be an early intervention or education around it many um, i i still remember probably me and punit when we were in um, adelaide we saw school kids being brought to waste treatment facility and they actually see what the workers are doing how the waste is getting treated how waste needs to be segregated and uh, australia being a country of migrants once again has uh, this problem of trying to educate people so what they do is they educate them through their children so when you teach their kids how to manage the waste the kids go back home and try to educate their parents who are migrants in their own language or their own cultural context how they should do and what they should not do i think that kind of a system should be introduced in india where it, it should be brought as a part of our education a lot of things like how to use the public facilities how to do a better waste management what what are the impacts of a citizen not doing it what are the cascading impacts and what are the subsequent health impacts and how it affects you know the community and the area because of water uh, logging or uh, choking of drains and things like that should needs to be brought about at an early stage so that uh, as they grow up they can basically fit better into the society and be a more responsible citizen in the same context i also feel that you know many a times we try to hide uh, the waste of course we close the dustbin uh, for a different purpose not to hide the waste but we try to do that to avoid order uh, other kinds of insects uh, venturing into the waste but what is more needed is how can we make the waste visible in a manner which is which can help citizens take more responsible decisions in this context i remember about a project in chennai they had this initiative called eyes on the river it is about people throwing their waste because most of the rivers or nalas in chennai you have this huge kuvam river and when you say the word kuvam people now related to a sewer nala rather than as a a freshwater nala Uh, 40 50 years back it used to be a freshwater nala now with more waste getting dumped and the canal systems getting choked up it is it it's become it's lost its purpose so what the government did was it created mechanism where they built wall 
walls on either side of the river or the nala passing through the city to avoid the order or to avoid people from looking at the state of the river what that led was more people started throwing the garbage over the wall because they couldn't see how much or what kind of effect it is creating on the water system and one fine day when they created this initiative bring down the wall let people see what kind of waste is being dumped and how much amount of pollution is being created in the river then the perspective changed uh, and of course if the waste remains people think that that's a garbage dump yard and the waste needs to be removed cleaned and the water clogging needs to be addressed so that the river flows in its natural state and that motivates people to preserve the river in its current state and one of the key things coming back to the technology i think why can't we of course we there are camera systems and things like that and why why can't we have a better system to look in terms of the waste management through remote sensing you know can can this be possible or can this be used in some way so i don't even think you need remote sensing i think if you have cameras in public areas that both contribute to a sense of safety in public areas and the safeguards that prevent personal identification you're able to monitor how well public areas are being maintained and you can actually run behavior and awareness scene campaigns around let's make our cities greener and more livable right and i think nobody wants to live in a city that is not livable so when we define livability of a city as a place where you can walk around very easily which is green which is refreshing where the blue green infrastructure really contributes to a better climatic zone then you actually have a city that people want to live in and want to have a part in upholding and let's take the same example you taken right karnataka ran a similar kind of campaign in partnership with janakaha where it was a app called public eye and every time a citizen saw another citizen breaking traffic rules they could take a photo of the license plate and the traffic offense and send it to the cops and the salon would get issued and so over a period of time this is a way to get citizens to encourage better behavior in other citizens by calling out bad behavior so that's step one i also believe that when we are trying to think of these kind of campaigns we first of all have to build it around the identity of our cities and so if all of us identify as residents of a city or of a habitat and we know that we are responsible for how clean how livable that habitat is our behavior starts to change today it's very easy to say that there's a lot of north indians living in bangalore who are not bangaloreans but the reality of it is a lot of the sources that are in the technology startups in bangalore have come from north india as well and so a lot of them have given up their identity of being upi rajasthani bihari and said we are bangaloreans so when you create a city identity and a identity that people can tap into to feel a sense of pride and feel a sense of belongingness that is where the change starts to happen and so what they said right let's see how bad our city actually looks by bringing down the wall is the first step in the direction let's not make the city invisible let's not make the infrastructure invisible let's have people 
look at the infrastructure and say, this is exactly what we want to be living in, or this can be better, and I have a part in making that happen. Another great campaign like this is the Ugly Indians, right? And they do this in Bangalore where it's common citizens go clean up dirty areas, repaint them, sometimes paint photos of God so that the average man walking by will not feel tempted to pull his parts out and leak on the road because, well, nobody likes to take a whiz on the photo of God, right? And so we need to think of these kinds of behavioral, cultural nudges that citizens can settle about, which will reinforce better behavior. So here, here I want to bring in the uh, other topic on these same uh, contexts on the lines that while we're talking about this much of tech, this much of government interventions and how citizens can also be part of the same, the financial feasibility of these things again remains, I think, a main focal point because unless and until it is financially feasible, we have discussed this at the starting of a conversation with ways, but when we are talking about tech interventions, they, they do cost a lot as well because either we are putting some kind of hardware systems in place which is then processed in certain other ways and then it is actually properly segregated, recycled, whatever uh, is being done. Uh, so how can financial aspects be taken into account as well? Because Government procurement is difficult on these lines and product, uh, service, product as a service is one of the ways in which startups also come into account. But what, what are the different kinds of things that can be expected in this ecosystem financially? So I think first off, we need to stop having this fear that government procurement is this monolithic belief that we can't do anything about. We can. The entire set of Constitutional codes, legal codes of India have been created by Indians, some of them by the British Raj to actually keep us uh, suppressed as a country. We need to update those, of course, to reflect a more modern Indian uh, philosophy. However, all of these are evolvable. And so we need to start evolving procurement mechanisms around this. The second element I want to kind of highlight is it is not going to work if we kind of try to say that everything that we do will basically be let's buy from abroad and build in India. We need to also make in India for India because what happens is the cultural, economic, social constructs of the West lead to the evolution of technologies in ways that fix their context. And so if we do decide to adapt those technologies to India, we need to repurpose them to our cultural, economic and social context, including price points. And if those technologies cannot be adapted at our price points to intellectual property rights of the West, we should just feel free to walk away from that. There is no obligation that solid waste management is something only the West has the control over and so we all have to buy from them. We can come up with better technologies that work for low-income countries, for the global South, develop them in India, provide them to the world, and use that as a way forward. So we really need to touch in waste management as a value industry not as a waste industry, and it's a value capture approach rather than a waste management approach. Uh, so, I think before before we come down to some of the final questions, I, I would also like to ask, like, my, what are your thoughts on developing this ecosystem or in a more streamlined fashion, especially from the 
governance point of view and what all things can be done on those lines i i think there are three key aspects elements which needs to be worked out one when we look in terms of the waste the waste should be managed within the community rather than putting uh making the government responsible for the large scale management of course there are certain uh, you know chemical hazardous waste which should be ensured that uh, you know they are collected in a safe manner and disposed of in a safe manner that government can play a key role but at least when it comes to the organic waste and also certain other type of waste uh, which are generated within the community should be managed at the community level so when they do that in a effective manner i think uh, the load which comes on to or the pressure which comes on to the government reduces considerably and we should be related to the organic and the biodegradable waste and then it comes to the non biodegradable waste it is uh, it should be managed in a more effective manner uh like having the dump site in a scientifically or all dump sites should be managed in a scientific manner and also it should be disposed of uh collected more regularly and disposed of the other thing which people the third thing which people don't really talk about is the medical waste and also the construction waste why i'm putting both these things together because the medical waste comes into the hazard category and the construction waste comes into the reusable category most of the time what these um, you know the private contractors do is they try to load their trucks uh, with the construction waste because it is more value uh, for them for the load you know for every trip the trucks are weighed uh, and when you have construction waste in them they get more payment for the same truck uh, which is otherwise collecting you know other type of waste so they try to collect and dump these construction waste into the landfill sites which should be avoided if there could be value created the second thing is hospitals because the medical waste is uh, so you know hazardous it needs to be processed and treated in a more effective manner many of the hospitals uh, need to pay a huge premium to get it treated and there is a very little monitoring mechanism available so if some kind of a technology some kind of a, a system which can be brought into play and the penalties for a hospital dumping the medical waste outside especially this happens more uh, with smaller hospitals where um, there is less consciousness or there is uh, also they are located in a certain Uh, places where the access to vehicles are limited so a better management of these things through the use of technology will definitely it will reduce the pressure on the municipal corporations from the citizens point of view there are three things which citizens need to do one is of course we need to create more awareness amongst us and the one thing to start with is like what i mentioned the kids what needs to be done uh, with respect to kids and of course there have been a lot of movement community level movement like cleaning the beach um, you know it happened in mumbai it happened in chennai and uh, it happened i'm sure it must have happened in few other cities where citizens take an effort go beyond their comfort zone and uh, end up cleaning the public spaces i think those kinds of initiatives uh, really help because one of the biggest challenges right now when you see the waste people end up 
dumping more waste in the same location. When you see a clean place, at least for anybody to start dumping waste in it, they will think twice because it is so clean, it is pristine, why should they be the first person to spoil it? So at least that hindrance uh, or that um, avalanche to do that will be initiated. Right now, that is more needed where citizens and community come together and ensure that they keep a safer location. And the third thing which they people can do uh, at their locality, uh, especially in terms of you know managing their waste, is if if at all a certain construction or certain community which ho- houses people beyond a certain level. We we have that number, you know, fifteen thousand square feet or twenty five thousand square feet. If the construction space is more than that then uh, I think they have to process the waste over there within the site analysis. At least that's happening with respect to sewage and septage, uh, but that should also happen with respect to at least uh, the organic waste to a larger degree. Gautam, you have your thoughts, please. Yes, so something that you said was very interesting to me, right? It's how do we actually clean up black spots over a period of time. So this brings back to me the memory of what Andhra Pradesh initiated under the Sandra Babu Naidu government after the bifurcation of the state into Telangana and Andhra Pradesh. And they actually enacted a system that was running in Andhra Pradesh. They built what is called a black spot monitoring tool. So at various solid-based mining black spots where there was habitual dumping of waste, they actually started putting cameras and monitoring it, and they kept cleaning it. And so visually they would keep seeing, was it clean, was it clean, and they kept kind of getting it cleaned up. And then over a period of time, they continued monitoring it even after it stayed clean till the behavior pattern of the citizens in that area had become set to maintain that as a clean space. So I think to a large extent the role of communities, markets and government is how do we collaborate together to create these changes rather than look at each other as customers of each other. We should be thinking of this in terms of collaboration and partnership not in terms of we are consumers of waste management services alone and we don't care about how the waste gets generated in the school. And then that as citizens and as communities. And as uh, businesses, we need to be thinking about it in terms of in everything we do, how can we minimize waste generation? How can we minimize the use of hazardous materials in our products? And how do we do this in a way that is more sustainable? And that will allow government to slowly start taking a step back and say, hey, you know, if everyone is doing their job and waste is getting managed, all I need to do is the bare minimum, like you were saying. You know? The pieces that both uh, communities and businesses cannot collectively handle, that's where the public good of government comes in and the public good of governance comes in to handle that which we as citizens and businesses cannot handle on our own. Yeah, Mahesh, do you have any other thoughts? No, the final thing is when we are talking about climate change, when we are talking about hazards and when we are talking about risk, all these things are emerging and we are, uh, most of our storm drains are designed for a certain capacity of 150 mm over 24 hour period. That is what these storm drains are designed for. But nowadays we are uh, getting huge amount of, or there is a huge variability in these extreme rainfall events leading to 
you know, cities such as Mumbai, Chennai, Calcutta are getting close to 200 to 300 mm of rainfall, leading to flooding. And one of the key things which most of the cities do is that cleaning of drains uh, pre-monsoon and also cleaning of drains post-monsoon. That is a huge effort and it is a waste of public money. If people can start ensuring that at least they don't pollute the drains, both open drains and also the closed stormwater drains, if they stop polluting it, uh, of course, their risk of flood can be reduced substantially. And two, also these places becomes a very good hotspot for the vector-borne uh, diseases uh, because mosquitoes, uh, if, if you throw a plastic club, the cup uh, collecting water during monsoon becomes a very conducive environment for these, uh, especially the malaria and dengue mosquitoes to breed because they like fresh water. They can't breed <laughs> in a, you know, a polluted water. So avoid throwing waste uh, in public, avoiding the behavior of throwing waste in public spaces and also especially along the drains is going to have a huge benefit and uh, savings to people. Yeah, so so uh, here I want to bring out uh, one of the last questions that we ask everyone is on different skill sets and jobs that would be required because eventually the majority of the people listening to the podcast are in the youth segment and what all kinds of skill sets they would require and what all kinds of skill sets they have that they can use in some other sectors as well. So I would like to frame uh, the question over here as... Uh, we have majorly talked about technology and waste and sanitation. So what are the different kinds of skill sets that would be required to work around in this sector? The upcoming in next five to 10 years, you can say. Sure. So I'd like to take a start at that first moment, if you don't mind. Sure, Okay. So I was going to say that if you think about the skill sets that we have a mass abundance of, we have a lot of engineers, we have a lot of doctors. We don't have enough lawyers, we don't have enough economists in India, and I'm not a fantastically good economist, right? I'm like a very average economist. But a lot of the kind of changes I'm able to propose come from an understanding of how, you know, you need to allocate resources across unlimited needs, and resources are always limited. That's one. I think the second element is, you know, we really need to have a liberal arts and humanities revolution in India. And I really feel that we have Hobbled our development as a country by focusing so heavily on engineering and technology and medical sciences. And imagine if there were more social scientists and ecologists who could actually go into areas and say, hey, in this community, people behave in these ways, these are the cultures, these are the customs. Then all those policies we were talking about that are culturally, contextually fit can actually be crafted in that way. Because it's not just about technicality, it's also about the social milieu. Um, the third kind of set of skills I would strongly urge people to really think about are design skills. Because design is a everlasting skill set which is applied across multiple areas. And architecture also designers, engineers are also designers. But if we start teaching design thinking in schools from day one, then our solutions will be that much more elegant, that much more sustainable, that much more ecologically friendly. And economically feasible. So, if we start focusing on these three skill sets to begin with, I think that's a good start. 
over a period of time i also believe india's way we can burst what is going to be the counterpoint to the western military industrial complex which in india will be the impact industrial complex in how do we impact the life of humanity at scale across the world and how do we do that in a way that allows the global south to be more resilient more sustainable in a way that the west cannot be today because of the way their systems are locked in and we have the ability to bring it yeah just building on what uh, gautam said i do agree i think uh, the design thinking uh, needs to evolve uh, considerably in india and that should be brought, brought within the curriculum but that said just building on the topic of waste management i think we need more product designers if you are an architect or an engineer i think there is a lot of possibility of reusing the conception waste and uh, bringing about new mechanisms of not only reusing it uh, it's also important to avoid uh, using certain materials within the construction industry so there is a huge uh, possibility of it right now people do use a simple technique of crushing the aggregates and using them reusing them for payment and uh, non structural measures but there are other means and mechanisms of using that particular construction waste and also reusing of the plastic waste i think we need more designers coming in play how do we create additional value uh, for the extent of the plastic which is getting generated uh, you know across indian cities and the third is also you need you know social architects uh, what gautam mentioned you know you need people who are community mobilizers people who can convey these kinds of complex things you know what is the advantage of not polluting your environment you know sometimes we always say what is the benefit what is the value we get sometimes the value we get are quite hidden it is not a direct monetary value but if you can save 10 days in a year in terms of not falling ill or not paying the doctor i think money not spent is money saved so we have to look at waste management from that perspective of course if the flood happens and in that particular area they may end up losing uh, the belongings or they may lead to certain damage to their property all these things can be avoided by consciously thinking about waste in a, a different perspective so we need a lot of social mobilizers people who can convey things in a local language in a way people can understand and the third one which i personally feel a bit out of the box but it is evolving is the use of technology in terms of detecting certain things you know of course we did talk about use of cameras to identify certain key hot spots and a lot of materials which we currently use conventionally use in india uh, are not the same which uh, people use in europe so many of these ir devices uh, which they use for so segregation of waste at a, a industrial level or also monitoring um, i'm not talking about face monitoring but uh, monitoring of certain locations and identifying and detecting the quantum of waste which is getting generated so that appropriate uh, tools and equipments can be sent to the spot for cleaning the scene and also looking in terms of the waste getting collected in drains waste getting collected in the nalas and rivers and water bodies is also very very much needed so we need to look in terms of uh, both uh, innovation but also a better design 
and uh, in, in that context the last is we need better designs of storm drainage systems also in india i think uh, that is more network based uh, solutions or more product based solutions i don't know what is uh, will work in uh, which uh, geo context uh, but we need a better storm water drainage management uh, system across the country because with the changing climate with the increased frequency of extreme events i think if we don't have better drainage system better drainage management system or uh, better resource collection systems uh, it's going to become more of a challenge thank you so much both of you uh, before we close if you have any last thoughts that we have missed on during the conversation and would like to cover it over here of course the topic of waste is quite long we can keep talking for another <laughs> one hour around it the key aspect which uh, we didn't touch upon is you know what can city engineers do and what can uh, municipal officials do but since that's that's something which uh, we within nigva and i'm sure uh, gautam with an ego are already working on probably we'll talk more about our initiatives um, in the next podcast so from my side i think uh, the two things i want to touch upon uh, that we didn't spend enough time on one is the need for gender sensitivity in waste management the ground reality of it is there's a lot of waste workers who are women whose needs are not accounted for and against whom ethically by not actually accounting for the fact that women are waste workers we are actually being misogynistic in the design of our systems and we are inflicting a lot of gender violence on them unintentionally but it is still violence so we need to be sensitive to it as we go forward i think the second thing that i want to caution on and this comes more from working at a technology organization is that while technology has its benefits it also has its harms so we need to be very careful about ensuring there are effective data protection laws data privacy laws that technology is supportive and not intrusive into human lives otherwise we might in the process of building a better country also make a draconian system that no one will want to be a part of so it's the only country we have it's the country that we will build together so let's treat each other with a little bit of love respect and human dignity and i think we'll get there together thank you so much both of you uh, it was surely a very interesting conversation and we did cover a lot of different topics and i hope our audience feels the same as well thank you thank you punar thank, thank you punar you have been listening to understanding the future podcast to know more about climate center for cities check out our website www.niua.org/c-q the show is conceptualized produced and edited by punit gandhi senior associate at cq you can now subscribe to our podcast on your favorite channel which can be accessed through the credits also don't forget to follow us on our social media for more updates do share your reviews with us and help us spread the podcast to your friends and colleagues do write to us if you would be interested in learning about any specific topics thank you and stay tuned for our next episode